There are statistics that suggest that many, many people in the church are struggling with the secret addiction to pornography. That's a sobering reality for all who claim the name of Christ and something that will harm your marriage if you don't deal with it. I'm John Fuller, along with the couple uh, who lead our marriage department, Aaron and Greg Smalley. And Dave and Kirsten Samuel are former colleagues. They used to work here at Focus many years ago, and they had this issue in their relationship. In a previous episode, Dave shared about the time that he confessed his addiction to pornography to Kirsten, and here they are now with Jim Daly. The moment, again, Kirsten, were you feeling that forgiveness, or you oh, were no. you, you're in that angry mode? Oh, I was. When I the... was totally. I was. I was in shock. And then I was angry and right. I went between shock and anger and, and, you know, in feeling like I don't, who is this guy? This is not who I thought I married. Right. And I, I think I just wanted to explore that a little because of the spouse that this may have happened to, or it will happen to. Mm-hmm. It's completely natural. Yes. It's normal to feel those things yes. and they shouldn't feel guilty for feeling that. Right. The question is, where do we go? Right. And what do we do? And how do we honor God in all of this mess? that you have created. I can hear it, you know, I could feel it. Yeah. And and so those are big mountains to climb mm-hmm. for the offended mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to that. How, did you have that resentment? What was, where did that roll over the next few days, few weeks, few months? Um, the, the first thing that I did was, and again, you know, God tells us in his word that before you have asked, I have answered in Daniel. He says that. And as I'm sitting here processing this, and he went down to talk to our son, I said, we need help. And, and immediately, a couple came to mind, and it was a coworker of mine and her husband who are counselors. And I thought, we need help. We, we need help now. And I don't know where to turn, but I'm going to start there. And uh-huh. so I mentioned it, you know, I mentioned to Dave, I said, we need help. And I called Kathy, and I just said, we need help. She heard me. And she heard the tears in my, and by this point I'm crying. Sure. And um, she heard the tears in my voice and she said, we'll meet you in 20 minutes. Mm. And so when he got done talking to our son and then the phone rang um, and I grabbed it and it was our, our son-in-law. We had called to talk to our daughter and son-in-law and um, newly married. They had been married less than two months. Oh my goodness. And, um, and said, well, you know, and they said, what's going on? And I said, well, you need to talk to dad. And I took the phone down and I said, you know, it's the kids. And I handed she it to tossed him. it to him. I tossed it to him. I, <laughs> I, I really was yeah. not very nice yeah. at this point. Um, I really was going swinging between that anger and shock and disbelief and resentment. And how dare you, you know, right. this, this whole thing of I, I don't want to be around you. I don't know you. And when he got off the phone, then I said, you know, that Rick and Kathy were, would meet us and we need to leave in about five minutes. And that was the longest car ride I've been in in a long time. Oh, I can imagine. Because I couldn't say a word. Couldn't say a word. Well, and in part, that was one of the things you formulated, it seems, and agreed to a rigorous uh, recovery plan, which included uh, regular meetings with what you called a restoration team in the book, about 18 months. So I I love the definitive nature of that so that other couples that are struggling get an idea of, you know, how do we get through the woods on this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's different for everybody. Right. But 
it's not short. It's not like next week. It's all better. No. You have to really dig in and work. And Dave, uh, one of the common fallacies about pornography is that it's a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. Um, you've obviously have, have learned that it's not. It affects certainly your spouse and the rest mm-hmm. of your family and mm-hmm. others yeah. too, your employer and all those things. Um, what was your perspective before and then after uh, when you did the counseling? The question that was posed to me that really stuck me because, you know, like you said, it is a lengthy process. And as men, we just want to, okay, we're going to get in, we're going to take care of this, and we're going to be done with it. And I remember my counselor saying to me, what is it worth to you for your wife to be healed? And that really hit wow, me. what a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It hit me and made me think, okay, I have perpetrated this sin against my wife and, you know, also against myself but and others. The relationships were severed, and there was always that taintedness. But what was, what was I willing to do to make, to allow my wife to heal? Was that an instant kind of heart response that you had, I'll do anything? Or did it take you a moment or a little while to think about that? Well, I've always been a sensitive guy, okay? I've always, I've always had that sensitive nature, and that's kind of what played into this whole thing from the beginning and um but so right away i had that pang in my heart of i have i have really messed this up aaron um that was quite an incredible conversation Uh, kirsten mentioned how an older couple walked alongside them in this journey that's really important in the healing process How, how do you go about finding somebody. What do you what do you think about that? You know, there's many ways to find someone praying that God will bring someone, an older couple, a couple, you know, steps ahead of you and your spouse to just engage with you, especially during difficult times. Um, recently, I had several couples that went through infidelity, and they both said, gosh, we met with this couple from our church. And it really, just hearing their story, really filled us with a lot of hope. And so it's just recognizing that maybe it's you that God is prompting to go, you know what, gosh, we should maybe get to know some of these younger couples at church and maybe join a multi-generation Sunday school or mm-hmm. small group or whatever. Um, you know, But it's necessary that we walk with each other. We can't do marriage alone. And, you know, we always say marriage, it takes a village to raise a marriage. And so what role are you taking in really raising marriages, your own as well as others? Yeah, it's important to have that community established before you hit rough waters. I think you would agree with that, Greg? Oh, totally. Yeah, Ted Cunningham, a good friend of ours, a pastor in Branson, Missouri, his quote is, marriage is a duet in need of background singers. And, and and that's just a, such a perfect analogy is that this this marriage duet that Aaron and I are performing, we, we absolutely need other people to speak in. That We need times where they're going to encourage us, they're going to support us, you know, they're going to offer perspective, uh, maybe accountability. Well, I think a lot of times it's hope. When you have that sort of community of people fighting for your marriage— yeah. When we hit those hard times and rough patches and we get discouraged and hearts are closed, boy, it's such an important thing to have people in our life 
who will say, yeah, you two are going nowhere. Like we're going to walk with you. We're going to figure this out. We're going to help. We're going to support all those things. And you just, yeah, marriage, as Aaron said, was never meant to be an individual sport. It's a team sport. Yeah. We, we, we were never created to be alone, in, especially in our marriage. Well, we're at the early part of a brand new year, and I'm, I'd love for you to, to speak into the lives of those people who are listening, everything from uh, newly engaged couples or people wanting to get married to couples who've been married decades. Uh, maybe this is the time to find that couple or a few couples that you can do life with. What's your recommendation on how you start that? How do you have that conversation with a couple that you admire and you'd kind of like to hang out with them? You know, I think oftentimes it happens organically that, you know, we put ourselves in situations where we're around maybe couples that are a little bit older or maybe it's you um, around a couple that's younger. And, you know, if you feel like, gosh, we could really step into their scenario with them. Um, and maybe God is just prompting you to do that. Even if, even if you're going, I can't do that. I, we don't have it all together. You know what? You don't have to. And so just be open to God's prompting and, you know, walk down that road a little bit. I know Greg and I have been talking about starting a small group mm-hmm. with some of our friends, but then inviting younger couples intentionally. Yeah. And I really have a vision for this. I'm super excited. We're meeting Friday night with our friends to talk about it. And for the new year, just going, okay, what younger couples would come to our house hmm. and hang out with us on a Friday night? Yeah. And, you know, that way it's organic. And if they meet one of us and go, hey, we'd like to, like to have dinner with you, or hey, we'd like to have dinner with you. That's great. I appreciate that advice. And this, um, Greg, I think you've observed this month, is the month of the most divorce filings? It is. Yeah, I think so many people were were placing such 